Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Enemy Lines, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Listen in as we go in-depth with beat writers that cover Tiger opponents. What's the vibe around their team? What are the matchups to watch out for? Who will win the game? All these questions will be answered. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to Go Tigers 247's Behind Enemy Lines. This is week number five, episode number five. The Tigers face off against conference foe, the Temple Owls. And I'm excited to have Ryan Wallen. He is the beat writer for OwlsDaily.com, uh, the 247 affiliate for uh, Temple University. Ryan, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you, Kenny? Appreciate man, you having me on. I'm good, man. I'm good. How's the How's the weather up there? Starting to get to that fall weather, you know, a little brisk air in the mornings now, a little bit of a brisk breeze and through the evenings, but you know, it, it's been, you know, nice low seventies, high sixties most days. So, you know, that's just nice Northeast fall weather. That sounds lovely, man. It was so Friday was like 70 degrees here in Memphis. Sunday was like 70 degrees here in Memphis. Today's 80, 80, something like that. Saturday morning, it was 92 degrees in memphis on game day i'm telling you man it was like 115 degrees down on the field against north texas it was so hot i'm so ready for the fall weather man yeah that's just too hot especially for a game day man you you, you this is the time of the year you know fall football's in session now Come you want on. that nice fall weather to be rolling in and, and we, that nice little brisk air we need it that brisk air is nice there's nothing like a brisk saturday morning on a football field it's just it's the greatest it is. It is. So tell me, how long have you been with Owls Daily? I've been working for them since 2015 was my first full season. I did a little bit with them in 2015, but 2016 was my first full season uh, covering. Obviously, that was Temple's conference championship year led by uh, you know Matt Rule in his final year at Temple and P.J. Walker and Tyler Medikevich and all them, you know, those Temple greats that had built that program up to being that championship team that year. So you know, I, I've seen the ups for Temple and I've seen the downs now in the last couple of years. But, you know, hopefully with uh, the Stan Drayton era now taking full effect at Temple, that a turnaround's in the near future. So, yeah, you mentioned, you know, obviously the last couple of years have not gone the, the best for Temple. But uh, a big coaching change this year, uh, the Temple Owls brought in uh, Stan Drayton, who has, I mean, you look at his resume, man, and it is just, I mean, NFL, NFL you know, quality running backs in college that he's, he's coached, um, you know, what was it like, you know, what was, how, what, what kind of infusion of, of energy has Stan Drayton brought to the temple program? Yeah. You know, I think at first people weren't thrilled by the hire because you look at his resume and yeah, he's produced some talent, but the biggest thing that he had been missing was he'd never been a coordinator or a head coach anywhere. 
you know, he's always been a position coach and people were a little skeptical of that at first. And can this guy really be the guy to turn it around, especially after, you know, you hire a proven guy in Rod Carey who had built Northern Illinois into a consistent winner in the Mac and, and that route didn't work out, you know, and, and now they're, you know, this, this had to be the right hire. So, you know, you don't want to set Temple back 10 years to, to the mid two thousands and all when they were, when they were pretty much irrelevant in the Mac and nearly shut down the football program. So, you know, that the fans want that this to be the right hire and Drayton ultimately was the guy. And, you know, he, he's, he's done so far what everybody has expected. You know, he's, he's instilled that temple tough culture back in the out with the owls. He's relied on that. He's relied on player coach relationships, really building that trust between the players and himself, especially after the, you know, revolving door of coaches that have been in and out of Temple since Matt Rule left in 2016. And, you know, he he just wants this team to be the team that saw success in those 2015 and 16 seasons. He wants them to play insanely good defense. You know, defense wins championships in his eyes. And even though he's always been an offensive guy, you know, he, he knows that that's a key part of the, the recipe and seeing success. But he also wants to see Temple be a team that's going to ground and pound. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play old school style of football and and hopefully, you know, reap the fruits of those labors and, and win games and wear teams down in that type of uh, type of game. So, uh, you know, with Temple fans and yourself as a beat writer, you know, what has been missing over the last couple of years? Like, what would you diagnose as, man, this has been the issue that the Temple Owls have faced and, and listen, man, this is what I'm seeing right now in the in the first four games of the year. The Temple Owls sit at two and two. We're seeing some growth, some change, some maybe a culture shift. Like what are what were those things? And have you seen a change in that? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing and, and you kind of saw it in the first year under Rod. And this is not a knock to Rod because, you know, 2019, they, they were successful. They went eight and four in the regular season, you know, went to a bowl game, ended up getting killed by North Carolina. But you know, they still ultimately had that eight win mark and they were competing for a conference championship. But you started seeing some shimmers of the team would quit late in games, especially if they would start going down or they would give up big plays. And and it was kind of unusual because, you know, you were thinking this is the same team that, you know, last year they were playing out of their minds on defense. And now, like, they seem to be just quitting and the offense started fading a little bit, and you were just like, uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a schematic thing. I don't know if it's just players not buying in. But nonetheless, you know, the 2020 season, obviously, the COVID year was, you know, it, it, it is what it was, you know, and, and that we didn't look too much into because Temple had such practice restrictions with being in the city of Philadelphia, you know. They weren't allowing team, you know, the team to practice as a full group. They were only letting so many people on the field at a time due to the city's restrictions. So, you know, I, I could see why maybe that season didn't go as well as what people had hoped. But then when you saw those trends carrying over into last year, it, it was really concerning. And especially when the team started getting blown out consistently. And, you know, aside from the Memphis game, the team looked awful in conference. And I mean, they weren't even competitive lost seven straight games by 20 plus points. And, you know, that that's just not what Temple was about. And that hadn't been about in, you know, 15 plus years really since before Al Golden took the program over. Um, so, you know, it was just something that you possibly 
thought then maybe was players were quitting. Rod lost the locker room. And, and, and from what I heard, it was just that really like there wasn't that connection between the coaches and players that ever fully, you know, developed to the level that it needed to be. And the buy-in wasn't ever fully there. And, and that seemed really like what it was. And, and, you know, people got discouraged and there wasn't a fight, but now, you know, you've seen it already this year that this team has fight. And even though that week one lost to Duke, you know, they lost 30 to nothing. This defense came out in the second half and only gave up six points in the second half after being down 24, nothing, you know, they, they fought in the second half and played their tails off. Same against Lafayette. They played really well. Defense fought its tail off despite, you know, being in some bad positions, backs up to their own goal line, you know, sometimes, and, and they force field goals rather than touchdowns there, you know, and, and Rutgers last week, nobody expected them to be in that game. Rutgers was a, 17 18 and a half point favorite over the owls and you know temple came out and played right with them really outplayed them for the most part in that game and probably should have won if there wouldn't have been a couple of you know miscues on offense that that cost them that game so you know temple could very well be sitting at three and one right now heading into this game and and i don't think many people would have expected you know the owls to be at three and one i mean i i had them at two and two coming into this game against memphis but you know i i think just by seeing the type of fight that they've putting up the defensive effort that we've seen so far, you know, some creativity on offense. I think that has exceeded the fans expectations so far and, and in go, especially going into conference play. You know, it's an interesting matchup between Memphis and temple. Um, it, the current record they've played seven times. The current record is, is temple is leading the series four to three you look at the history of the Memphis and Temple series, it's loss, win, loss, win, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between the two teams. Does it not kind of feel like that the that doesn't really matter the records of the teams or whatever? When they play each other, it is going to be a dogfight. Does it not feel that way to y'all up in Temple? Yeah, you know, Memphis has always been like that type of game, and and I can remember, you know, even going back to my fresh, I think it was my freshman year, you know, cold night in Philly. It ends up being, I think, a 13-10 game where Jake Elliott kicks the game winner. 16-13. And that was a 16-13, yeah. So that was a dog fight game, you know. The next year, Temple goes down to Memphis after having started the season 7-0, and you know, ends up losing that game. Or I believe after the Notre Dame game, they have a letdown against Memphis down there that one hurt. And it's just, you know, it's been a back and forth, like you mentioned in the series. And, you know, last year, like I said, Temple probably had no reason to beat Memphis last year. And I have no how clue still how <laughs> they made Dwan Mathis look like Peyton Manning out there on the right. field in right. the game, because, you know, now Dwan's not even a quarterback for Temple anymore. He's a wide receiver. So it's just been that type of game where, you know, Temple sees Memphis as a, as a team that they have to come out and, you know, go toe to toe with, because Memphis has always been one of those schools that's favored usually towards the top of the conference every year. And I, I think they elevate to that type of play because they know Memphis is such a good program has consistently been such a good program in the conference since the conference, you know, started. And aside from that 2013 year when they were both kind of at the sewer but they both kind of rose at the same time and and then have kind of played each other you know tough ever since i'd be remiss to not kind of go back a little bit to 2019 you know that was the year that memphis was 
you know, they won the AEC championship, played in the New Year's Six Bowl, but there is one game that blemishes that season, and it was the Temple game where we lost, or the Tigers lost at Temple 30-28. to There's a super controversial call in that game. That's still, I mean, there's still hashtag Joey caught it tweets <laughs> going around Memphis. Was that as big of a play in Philly as it is in, as it was in Memphis? Did y'all talk about that play? Oh, I mean, they talked about it because it, it was it was such a close play, and I, I still don't know to this day whether he caught it or not. <laughs> I mean, obviously, from the perspective of a Temple beat writer, you'd say he didn't. Right. It looked initially like he didn't, but, I mean, the more you looked at it, the more you could make an argument that he did. And, you know, <laughs> referees are going to be referees. I mean, that's such a tough position to be in. But it, the unfortunate thing was, was that it, that determined the game ultimately and that was such right. a good game it was such um, a good game wasn't it yeah and and obviously you know you hate for officials to decide the outcome of a game like that and that's just the unfortunate truth of how that game ended but you know that that was a game where you know temple again rod Carey, his team played outstanding and, and he had them prepared for memphis and it just seemed like that was his team that he could beat in the conference all the time was Memphis. But other than that, I mean, he struggled and, and especially against those upper echelon teams like UCF, like Houston, those teams were just the ones that he, he somehow had them prepared for. You know, it's interesting if you're, you know, as a person who covers the university of Memphis, you know, I, you know, you have to say Joey called it and, and it looks like, you know, not the, not the, not the harp on that play, from two years ago, three years ago. But, um, you know, when you have to slow something down to like, you know, 30% of the original speed to find out whether or not he caught the ball, you can understand why, you know, whether you are on the, he caught it or not caught it side where, you know, people are going to be split on that. But um, again, it's just another example of those games that Memphis and Temple play against each other, that is just a dogfight the entire time. You know, it's just a dogfight. But, you know, you mentioned uh, Mathis and, and, and how, you know, he's been a thorn in the side of Memphis since he's been at Temple. But now he's not the quarterback. It's E.J. Warner, freshman E.J. Warner from Arizona. Um, what has he been like this year? What is What kind of a play, player is he? And, and what should Memphis fans expect from the Temple offense this, this season? You know, EJ, obviously, having come from the pedigree of his father, Kurt Warner, um, you know, he's a guy you would anticipate knows the game. And that's what Coach Stan Drayton has said, that EJ knew the offense before he even got to Temple. Like he had done that much studying, that much work of Danny Langsdorf's offense that he knew the offense coming into fall camp when he arrived in July. So that just tells you the type of work ethic the kid has, the type of you know pedigree he comes from, that he's a student of the game and he's going to do whatever it takes to you know, improve his game day in and day out and week in and week out. And so far, you know, since he came in in that second quarter against Lafayette, you know, he, he's just had – a composure about him that is well beyond his years. He's a kid that, you know, he's not afraid to stand in the pocket and get hit. He's a guy that's going to stay in there an extra second just to deliver the ball to where he needs to be. And he said that last this past week after the the game against uh, UMass that he, he, he just 
knows that that's what it takes to be a quarterback. And, and he has all the abilities to be a successful college quarterback. And that's just something that you don't see, especially from true freshman guys that are 18 years old and were playing in the fall or playing in the spring, you know, nine months ago. Right. Or six months ago, you know, that, that it's just unheard of. So he's obviously excelled expectations. I mean, he's had his fair share of mistakes already. I mean, this past week against UMass in the first half that he had, some rusty throws and and there were some mistakes there, but you know, you're going to have those types of growing pains with a freshman quarterback. But the best thing about him was that he put those mistakes behind him. He bounced back. He led temple to a key touchdown right before the half against UMass to put them up seven, nothing. And then late in the game, he dropped a 50 yard dime to Donicus Sanders right down the middle of the field that, you know, put temple up 28, nothing and really put that game out of reach. So, you know, he, he has those mechanics. He has, pretty decent arm he's got a very quick release and like i said just the composure and and his knowledge of the game i think because of growing up around the game so much has just really impressed a lot of people okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You know, I think Memphis is in the same, you know, was in the same boat last year with Seth Hennigan as a starting, uh, true freshman starting quarterback, which is not normal in a conference like the the American. But um, you know, it's the same kind of deal. You 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 talk about EJ Warner, and you you hear you hear what your 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 description of him and just reminds you a lot of what Seth Hennigan was like as a freshman, a kid who, um, you know, came in as an underdog in the quarterback battle with the competition with uh, Grant Gunnell, but, you know, came in the first week and, and clearly had a grasp on the offense. And um, his biggest thing is his ability to think and his ability to, to process and not panic out there. Um, and obviously as a, 18 year old kid had a strong throwing arm. It's the same kind of story as what you're talking about with EJ, where, you know, 
the day he his his high school um, didn't high school won the state championship in Texas on one day and literally that night drove to Memphis and was on the field the next day for Memphis as the as a in the quarterback competition you know at the University of Memphis and and now we're talking about Seth Hennigan as a you know true sophomore quarterback who is taking those leaps and bounds that we thought he would take this year what you know obviously the the temple defense is is always tough and always you know hard to score on and and just a grinding type of defense um what concerns you about the matchup between the defense with temple and seth hennigan um as the quarterback for memphis yeah i i think the biggest thing that concerns me with this week's matchup is that temple hasn't really faced a quarterback that can really throw the ball uh really since that duke game um riley leonard for Duke, uh, started the game 15 of 15 for, I believe, 234 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. So that was not obviously a good sign um, of what was to come for that game. But, you know, when you have a quarterback that can pick apart a defense and that can read a defense and can deliver the ball on time where it needs to be, you know, that concerns me a little bit because for the most part, Temple secondary is very unproven. Um, you know, they, they have a redshirt freshman in Jalen McMurray, who's really their number one cornerback, who saw very limited action last year before redshirting. He earned a single digit this offseason, meaning, you know, he, he showed something as far as leadership and ability to the coaches. But, you know, he, he's not been targeted a whole lot because I think there really hasn't been any guys that have been able to target him. Um, you know, there's there's opposite him. They have Elijah Clark, who's a guy who's been notorious for getting burnt during his Temple career. So, you know, that that's a concern, obviously, especially with Memphis having a group of very solid receivers, very tall, quick receivers. Um, you know, Clark has height, but and he has some speed, but he, he just doesn't sometimes make the right reads on routes and he just gets beat over the top and and that's obviously a concern. And, you know, Temple's rotated some other guys in there. They rotated some guys in there during the Duke game, and, and they didn't really fare much better. You know, South Carolina transferred Dominic Hill. He came in. He had some penalty issues as far as getting flagged for PI because he was, you know, kind of running a step behind everybody. So, you know, maybe not adjusted yet fully to the to the speed of the, the type of play that some of these AAC teams are going to run against them. And, you know, they have a, an injury in Diane Hawkins, who's kind of the number four corner right now, who he missed this past week. So who knows if he's going to be ready to go this week. And after that, they have a, a converted safety who's now playing corner in Corey Palmer. And, and we saw very limited action of him this past weekend. So aside from McMurray, really, you know, it's a very unproven corner corner group. Um, Cam Ruiz is the veteran of the bunch. I mean, he played a lot last year, but he, he's more of the nickel guy and, Keyshawn Paul, who was also a starter last year under Rod Carey, um, you know, he kind of fell out of graces with the team, really, and and he's kind of very far down the depth chart at this point, so it doesn't look like he's going to see very meaningful snaps, you know, if any. Um, just a guy that hasn't earned his way back onto the field yet, so it, it looks like right now that the Owls are going to roll with Clark McMurray as their corners, and, and the safety play, you know, has been better this season, but Again, you know, they missed some tackles in that Duke game that led to big gains, and that's what really allowed Duke to pull away there in the first half and really put the game on ice before halftime. 
Um, so, you know, it'll be good to see against, you know, like I said, a, a talented group of Memphis wide receivers, tight end, um, you know, how they utilize that. And obviously with Hennigan being a, the quarterback that he is and, and an accurate one at that, you know, with completing 67% of his passes, what that's going to look like come game day. Um, so you mentioned the, the, the cornerbacks for Temple um, being maybe a, a source of concern for you in terms of, you know, how they're going to handle being targeted by Seth Hennigan and the, and the receivers group. But, um, you know, Temple is known for their defensive line and have two pretty fantastic defensive ends on the team. Tell me about them and, and, and what your expectations are for the defensive line versus offensive line matchup. Yeah, now looking over the stats beforehand, you know, I, I've not seen a whole lot of Memphis this year, but the number that stands out to me right now is that Hennigan's been sacked 10 times. So that, that I do see is where there is an advantage for Temple as far as their defense is concerned, con considering that Temple right now is third in the country in sacks, already have 15 on the season um, in that regard. So they've gotten to the quarterback. And, you know, Stan Drayton said today during his presser that, that that is a testament in part to the secondary also you know doing their job and and covering receivers and allowing those defensive linemen to get to the quarterback and get them and wrap them up and not only that you know they're also fourth in the nation in tackles for loss they have 36 tackles for loss on the year so they have created pressure and that's something that last year they really were not able to do on a consistent basis um, so, you know, I'm not sure the two that you were referring to because Temple has a pretty good slew of defensive linemen right now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and fathom a guess that Darian Varner is one of the guys you were mentioning. Um, you know, Darian Varner, he's a guy that, you know, came into the season with people saying that he had a complete 180 attitude change from the end of last year. And not really say, know what that entails because last year he led the team in sacks with three. Um, and, and just saying that in itself, that the leading sack guy on Temple's team last year had three sacks. That should just tell you how bad the, the pressure was last year. But, you know, he, he's a guy that came in with this new staff. He bought in immediately. He dropped 35 pounds, I believe. He was playing around 290 last year. He's down to about 260, 255 right now. And he's just been a th monster. You know, he, he's a guy that finds gaps. He, you know, gets to the backfield. He creates pressure. You know, he, he's a good run stopper for being a smaller guy on the defensive line now. Um, but he he looks like he could potentially be that next Temple defensive lineman that ends up going to the NFL in a couple years. You know, when you wear that number nine on the Temple defensive line, that, that means something. Because guys like Matt Ioannidis, who's with the Carolina Panthers now, Michael Dogby, who's with the Arizona Cardinals, um, you know, those are guys that had worn that number nine before. And then that means something at Temple. So you have some high expectations to live up to when you wear that. And I think so far he's lived up to that. And he's really become a leader in, in that defensive line room. But, you know, they have guys like Demerick Morris, who's another guy that's really stood out this year. He's been a really great run stopper for them. Zach Gill is a leader on the defensive line. You know, he, he didn't earn the single digit that like we thought he was going to this offseason. But, you know, as a rotational guy, he's played very well. Um, he's a big body in there, has just the body that looks like an NFL guy. And then you know, Jalen Satchel has been another guy that's really stood out, um, came really out of nowhere, was very under recruited and, and again, has really bought into this system 
put on a lot of weight this offseason and he earned himself a starting spot ahead of Zach Gill, who was, you know, a graduate student. So that should just say, you know, a redshirt freshman beating out a graduate student. That should just say something, you know, about how how far he's developed under this coaching staff. Absolutely. You know, I think the you look at the biggest concern I think the Tigers have coming into this this game um, and throughout the the whole year has been their offensive line. You know, um, they've obviously given up quite a few sacks, um, haven't really been able to get the run game going the way that they have in the past. But um, another part of the concern is coming out of this North Texas game, um, their two of their starting offensive linemen are day to day in Austin Myers and uh, Jonah Gamble. Um, now, you know, from the beginning of the year, the Tiger staff has talked about, you know, having seven, eight, nine um, offensive linemen that can fill in those gaps, that can switch positions, that can, you know, you know, basically putting out the best players possible. Um, but anytime you come into a game against a defensive line that, like Temple has with two of your starting offensive linemen day to day, potentially out with injury. It it can create some anxiety, I think, for Tiger fans, and that's a big deal. You know, I think that's a big matchup to look out for. Um, what uh, in in terms of the Temple offense versus the 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 Memphis defense, what are some of the matchups that you are are looking forward to to see um, on Saturday? Well, I, I'm stemming off what you just said. I'll go back to the defense just real quick, and then I'll transition. So you know, it's just not the d-line with temple now it, it's kind of the linebacker that whole front seven now is just a, a, a has been monstrous this year you know dj elliott new new defensive coordinator who had seen mixed success you know throughout his coaching career at, at kansas and colorado or you know kansas and kentucky and and whatnot you know he, he had seen mixed success with his three four simulated pressure system but you know so far in the ac the aac you know it, it looks like it possibly could end up doing something to shut some of these up-tempo teams down because of the type of pressures that they're bringing. You know, it, it's very similar to a defense that Georgia runs. Um, it, it's able to, you know, shut down the run, and that's what it really thrives off of is, you know, shutting down the run and, and being able to force teams to beat you through the air. Um, so, you know, I'm intrigued to see how that's going to play out this year, especially with the, the linebacker play that we've seen so far from Temple, especially Leighton Jordan and Jordan McGee. Um, but going to the offense now, um, as far as the matchups there, Temple, very similar to Memphis, has not been able to get the run game going. Um, it's been atrocious, stating it simple as fact. You know, they're pretty pretty far down the list in, in the nation i believe they're 121 in rush offense right now averaging 91 yards per game on the ground so you know that that's something that's really struggled and has not really you know taken off like stan drayton had hoped it would and and that's going to be a problem especially when you have a freshman quarterback you know you're, you're putting a lot of the pressure on him to now make plays if the run game can't get going and so I, i'm looking forward to seeing how that transpires as far as that because you know Memphis obviously is not the greatest run defense team but also not the worst so right. Temple's played worse run defending teams this season and they've still not been able to get it going so that that concerns me a little bit as far as that Temple's offensive line play has been very inconsistent you know they're they've been solid defending or you know blocking the pass but again run blocking has been 
subpar at best and and they've not seen that consistency along the o-line you know they they've started different combinations up there they've shuffled some guys around and i think they're just trying to find that best five combination so that they can finally muster up some some consistency in the run game uh there but you know we we've seen guys like adam klein who started the year at right tackle missed a game now he started at center this past weekend against umass um, James Famine is a guy who's a Houston transfer who played very little at Houston, came in, started the Duke game at right guard, but now he's now the right tackle. Um, so there's just been a whole lot of shifting around of guys, and you would like to see, you know, maybe a consistent five go out there for once and and put forth an effort against a, a Memphis defense in that regard, but. I'm intrigued to see personally how Temple's receivers do against the Memphis secondary because Memphis's pass defense has not been great this so far this year. They're last in the conference in pass defense. Um, EJ Warner obviously has the ability to deliver the ball where it needs to be when it needs to be there. Um, so I'm intrigued to just see how Temple attacks the cornerback, you know, the secondary in that regard, because yes, he's a young guy, but, are they going to let this become a shootout with Memphis? I doubt that. I, I think they're going to, you know, have to rely a little bit on EJ managing the game, kind of like Kurt Warner was famous for doing, you know, <laughs> just being a game manager. Um, you know, he just got to put the ball where it needs to be. They need to score more consistently, and and maybe they're going to have to rely on EJ in that regard because of the, the lack of run production that they've seen so far this year. So, I want to see how that matches up as far as Temple's receivers against the secondary. Does it concern you if if Temple is not trying to get into a shootout with Memphis um, and they're expecting EJ Warner to be a game manager? Part of that game management can't come. It can't come from just, you know, mid-level passes, mid-level. It has to go through the running game. Does it concern you for Temple if they have to rely on the running game to try to stay out of a shootout with Memphis? No doubt. Um, you know, I, I thought last week would be the fun, be the week finally that that happens because you were playing a team in UMass that relied so heavily on the run. So they were going to milk some clock and, and you needed to be able to counter that and, you know, score some points. And they, for, you know, the first 30 minutes, they were not able to do that. They only put up one touchdown and against the UMass defense that was, very, very inferior to what, you know, you would expect the types of teams that the American is going to produce. Um, so that that does concern me in that regard, especially if Temple would get a lead. You know, you don't want it, this game to end up being a 45-42 game, you know, anything in that regard if you're Temple because you have a freshman quarterback, you have a shaky O-line, you don't have the run game, you know, you don't want that type of game to be played. I mean, I think you want this to be more of an old school style of football game. And that's what Temple's kind of relied on so far this year. You know, they did so against Rutgers and that's how they were able to stick with them there. Um, they, they just have to be able to have some more consistency offensively in order to hang with Memphis. And, you know, the defense is again, going to have to play a very solid game from start to finish. Um, they're going to have to tackle. They're going to have to not give up big plays. And that's thankfully been something that they've not done the last three weeks. But again, the talent level at Memphis is different than that of Lafayette, UMass, and Rutgers. 
So as you look at the, let's say hypothetically, um, Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, the game is over and Temple has won the game. What is the what is the stat, the statistic in the box score that you're going to be looking at and going, this is the reason why? That's a good question. I think what it's going to come down to is mainly the fact that Temple's going to have to control the clock. And, you know, I think sometimes time of possession doesn't matter in that regard, but they're also going to need to have the time of possession in their favor as well as you got to see something on the box score that shows that they scored when they were over the 50. You know, you can't have these drives where Temple is moving into Memphis territory. They get, you know, on that verge of field goal range, long field goal range, punt range, and they just turn the ball over on downs and Mm -hmm. keep giving Memphis free possessions that way. And, And Drayton so far has been very aggressive in his fourth down calls. Uh, because he says he has so much faith in that defense. But, you know, at, at some point that's going to come back to bite you. So I, I think in that regard, you need to have your efficiency in offense, especially when you go into the red zone, you have to score points and it's going to need to be touchdowns against Memphis. You know, I, I don't think you're going to win this game with field goals. Um, it, it's doesn't, it's just not that type of Memphis team. You know, I, I say it's not going to be a shootout, but I mean, it's not going to be a, 20 to 17 game either i just don't envision that i think temple's going to need to put up you know somewhere in the mid 20s high maybe low 30s to compete in this game or even have that chance at coming away with a win but you know right now this is this is the type of team that you need to do it against you know this is what you're going to get the rest of the year you're going to get consistently good teams week in and week out where you know, we saw last week that Navy beat ECU, and I don't think many people saw that coming. Nobody so, saw I mean, that coming. Yeah, you're going to get games every week where anybody can beat anybody on any given Saturday. So, you know, you need to have that consistency when you cross the 50, especially when you get into the red zone. You need to be coming away with touchdowns. And luckily right now, Temple's offense is the only team in the country that has scored a touchdown every time it's been in the red zone. Both Temple and Memphis are both 100% in the red zone this season as far as coming away with points. So it's going to break, I think, on Saturday for at least one of the teams. Um, so that that's the stat I'm looking forward to the most. It's, it's such an interesting matchup. I know Vegas has put out a line that, you know, says that it's not going to be a close game. But history is history, man, right? Like, history is history. And, you know, I know Tiger fans are are – after especially after the North Texas and Arkansas State games are in desperate desire to see a blowout win, um, to see the offense click and the defense play well. Um, but we know the matchup between Temple and Memphis. It's always a dogfight, always tough. And I'm excited for it, man. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's it's Temple's uh, conference opener this year, this Memphis's second game against the AAC conference opponent. And um, it's going to be a fun game, man. I'm excited for it. No doubt. And, you know, I, I thought the line when I saw that was, was mistype, you know, misprint, but, you know, it, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up being, you know, Memphis 20 point win, but it also wouldn't surprise me if Temple hangs with them the whole time. And, you know, I, I could see this end up being, you know, a one score game going to the fourth quarter. It could be Memphis blows them out. It could be, this is the week that Temple just 
puts everything together. You know, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen because, like you mentioned, there is just such an interesting comparison between these two teams right now. If you look at the stats and the style of play, and even though they're contrasting styles, they're kind of like in the same regard. Mm. They have the same concerns heading into the game. 100%. Yep. So that that's it's really going to be a battle of I think the quarterbacks and whose O line can hold up, you know, a little better against the other's defense. Yeah, I when it comes to Vegas lines after the first week against Mississippi State and the line came out it was minus 17, minus 18 towards Mississippi State. I went on Mississippi State's blogs and you know, in interviews and talked about how that line was disrespectful and got roasted for it. And then it turns out that the line was pretty, pretty much right where it needed to be. I refuse to uh, comment on lines anymore. <laughs> I won't say in one. That's why I'm saying it, it, it wouldn't really surprise me because, I mean, I know Memphis has this talent to do it. Obviously, with Hennigan, you know, they have skill, very skilled wide receivers, especially. And like I said, Temple's pass defense against Duke was not good. And if Memphis can put something together like Duke did, I mean, there you're going to have a, a pretty big win if Temple can't score points, especially if they can't get the run game going, just, you know, establish some consistency and keep this all on the lower end of the scoring. Because I think because of the issues you've had, Temple can't put up enough points to win a shootout game. Well, Ryan, listen, man, I appreciate you joining me. I, there's a, um, a Temple Owl fan that comes over to the Go Tigers 247 boards all the time. And I'm going to be honest with you, he's the nicest person I've ever met. And uh, on the boards, any uh, most of the time when opponent opponent fans come over to our boards, it's not a nice and pretty experience for everybody involved. But he's great. I like Temple. I love Philly. And I am excited to uh, see this game on Saturday, man. I really appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you having me on and, and good luck on Saturday. You know, obviously not too um, much luck, <laughs> not too much luck, but, you know, friendly competition you know it's all in good fun and at the end of the day you know it is a game but you know i've i've always been a i've always liked memphis as far as they're they're an underdog kind of like temple you know they're a city school and underdog and you know people people have kind of overlooked them sometimes and and memphis can surprise people on any given day and you know people talk about the the three schools leaving for the the big 12 but you know memphis could have been right up there in the conversation with them and same as Temple if this was five years earlier. Right. We're Hey, listen, we're moving straight ahead with the AAC, man. Let's keep it rolling. Yep. All right, man, I appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Behind Enemy Lines. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in content all about the University of Memphis Tiger Athletics, hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Also, you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for our VIP membership. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.